It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. We're talking cultural touchstones and our cultural insensitivity. If the news doesn't keep us busy enough, your feedback certainly does. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to The Briefcase. Before we get started, we wanted to welcome all our new listeners to Pantsuit Politics. We had quite a traffic increase after the town hall debate. We're not sure the, the cause of it, but we're happy to have all of you, aren't we, Beth? We are. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you stick around. And I would say that was like one of our not-so-nuanced conversations. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you'll find some episodes where you hear a lot more uh, distance between our positions. And we are always trying to find common ground and problem-solve and move forward. This election is just kind of wearing us down. The universe is testing us, truly. It, it really, is. really is. So... 
Before we jump into uh, the feedback from our audience, which is what we usually cover on the briefcase, we thought we would uh, speak quickly to any new campaign news. Beth just informed me that there is video of Donald Trump saying that he would be telling a a 10-year-old he'd be dating her in 10 years. So, you know, that's nice. I think we're on a nice upward trajectory here. Well, and your point was, which at which point I told you to stop talking because we had to record it for the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where where was all this during the Republican primary? Because I got to say, it seems like there will be more and it'll be worse, uh, especially if Mar- anybody persuades um, Mark Barnett, the producer of The Apprentice, to, to release the tapes. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just seems like we've been sitting on this mound of... Crap. Where were the researchers for the Republican primary opponents? It is really difficult for me to believe that Republican primary opponents didn't have this stuff, that members of the media didn't have this stuff. And 18 months ago, we could have been spared from all of this. It's so true. And it infuriates me. I mean, I don't know if they just didn't take him seriously I mean, that definitely was the case. Nobody took, let's be, let's be for real. Nobody took him seriously at first, but you know, at, at a certain point when he won primaries, it, what really surprises me is like, okay, Jeb Bush, get it. Marco Rubio to an extent, get it. John Kasich, I get it. But like Ted Cruz would, I like to think stop at nothing to win. So why couldn't he get his mischievous little paws on all this? That's the one that sort of surprises me. I don't understand it. And at what point did it seem like, oh, now it's serious? He led from the very beginning. You know what I mean? Every poll from the very beginning. And then he starts winning states. And as soon as that happened, that like I don't understand what, why it took so much. And then we aren't taking him seriously once he's the nominee. It takes until literally 30 days before the election when people have already started voting to do this. It's just, it really upsets me. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist theorist usually, but this seems to me like we had our story in building him up. We had our story in his ugly down in the mud boxing matches with the Clintons. We wanted to make that worse and worse. And so we had this like escalation right before the election. I don't know. It, it, I'm mad about it. Yeah, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. I don't think that there, I, I think it was just, and I, it does seem that some of the worst stuff, I mean, the tax returns were just sent. I don't know if people were scared enough of him because a lot, it seems like a lot of the information is coming from his camp that they just thought, well, it doesn't matter. He'll lose. But as they got closer, they were like, okay, we have to, for God and country. <laughs> We have to get this stuff out here. I mean, let me be clear. I am whatever it takes to make sure that he doesn't hit the Oval Office. I'm good with. I just wish that we could have had a real contest of ideas and a real opponent from the Republican side instead of this soap opera that we've had. And that's what this is, right? I think using the word soap opera at this point is an insult to soap operas. It could be. It's more like on the level of passions in the soap opera world. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a really poorly scripted reality show, not a soap opera. 
well, hey, let's learn something and not let this happen again. So if someone runs and we know that, th- that we're sitting on a treasure trove of information about why that person should not be in office, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Well, and here's my, on the Hillary Clinton camp, there was uh, some, there was some more, apparently the Russians are just going on ahead and hacking all their Clinton campaign's emails. And it's really been funny. I think the coverage has kind of been like, it's boring. We're not really learning anything new. Vox did a really funny thing. Apparently John Podesta is known for his cooking skills and he makes a mean risotto. He shared, they shared I saw the email with that. Email. I thought that was really funny. Here's what I've had. I've had a couple exchanges with, um people who are not fans of Hillary Clinton, um, particularly people who are distrustful of the media. And here's what makes me laugh. You can't trust a thing anyone says in the media or outside if it is positive about Hillary Clinton. But by God, if it's negative, it came down on a slide directly from heaven, and it is law. Does anybody else notice that imbalance but me? Do you ever feel that when you talk to people about, like, if you say, no, I don't, I read something. Well, that's not true, obviously. But what I read is completely true. Uh, I don't. Um, so I, I am not a distrust the media person, although I am angry at them about this Donald Trump withholding until the last minute. Um, but what I see in these emails is kind of affirmation of what, most of us in the Republican Party feel, which is that it's a very friendly relationship. It's not an open relationship, but it's a friendly relationship, right? So there's not really a vehicle for press scrutiny. Um, Everything is orchestrated. It's done on her terms. And look, like, there's an element of that that you say, well, they're in control and this is their plan and they execute their plans. I don't like it, uh, but it's just part of it. I mean, I think the biggest thing about these leaks is that uh, you are seeing some email correspondence that is like dripping with condescension about American Catholics. I mean, there's just some, there's just some icky stuff in it. Now I feel wrong even using the word icky when we think about what we have to compare this to from the Republican side. Well, you know, and so go ahead. It, it So it's, it's just, I think there's just a lot of confirmation in terms of what those of us who are not Hillary Clinton fans already felt, but it's certainly not like breaking news in any way. Well, here's what I keep thinking about. What could people confirm about you if they hacked your emails? Can I, cause I can tell you if somebody got into my emails between me and my friends, people I trust or me and my husband who, let's just be honest, can be pretty snarky. Like you, I mean, just think about that. Like personally, what would people think about you if they hacked your email accounts between you and your husband or you and your best friend or you and coworkers who didn't like another coworker? Like, I don't think it'd be pretty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to think about, um, anybody's personal life being exposed without context, Yeah, you know? Um, but I also, I mean, you can follow these emails and, and you get a sense of sort of where they are on things and it's what people have felt all along and it's it's not great that said 
I don't know. I'm just ready to move. I'm 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 ready to be done. To be honest <laughs> with you, I'm just ready to be done with this. Oh. I want to like go back to talking about policy and particular issues. Like I'll do ten episodes on abortion. I just I'm ready to move on from this election. I can't stand it. Oh, sorry, that's fine. Just finished a court of thorns and roses and craving another fantasy world to devour. Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and June has you covered. We've talked about Olive and June's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. 
Well, we are going to move on to feedback, Friday feedback from our listeners, beginning with Katie's email about cultural touchstones, which I thought was so insightful. I totally agree. So Katie said, I'm going to read it directly. I would argue she was talking about basically that why does Clinton get critiqued for raising her voice or uh, speaking her truth or like doing sort of dad jokes, whereas Kane and... Sanders and Biden, they all, well, they're all, they're, ah, uh, ha, aren't they cute? They're the dad. They're the crazy guy. Um, they're, like, sort of the likable, likable flaws is how she puts it. And she says, I would argue it's because we don't yet have cultural to- touchstones for flawed but sympathetic women. We can recognize Sanders as a fiery activist, Biden as a truth teller, and Kane as an earnest goof. But we don't have an archetype, fictional or otherwise, through which to understand Clinton. As the first female nominee of a major party, her campaign is in uncharted waters. As Clinton explains in a recent post for Humans of New York, it's hard work to present yourself in the best possible way. You have to communicate in a way that people say, okay, I get her, and that can be more difficult for a woman because who are your role models? If you want to run for Senate or run for the presidency, most of your role models are going to be men, and what works for them won't work for you. Women are seen through different lens. So good, Katie. Well, and I loved the part, and I think this is from an article maybe that Katie was quoting, where it said, we don't have very many female protagonists who are allowed to be flawed in ways that are messily realistic, not just charmingly endearing. We haven't been taught to empathize with flawed women the way we have with flawed men. I think that's so true and 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 amazing and like just exactly what's going on. And I responded to Katie and said, you know, I really relate to this because I think women in positions that are not traditionally occupied by women, there's this, there's this sense of like discomfort with everyone around you. I mean, I experience this sometimes. I find myself in meetings uh, that, that maybe I don't quote belong in, right? Or expressing opinions that are hard things to say to people who don't necessarily want to hear them. And I always feel like you have to sort of choose between being respected or beloved, but you can't be both as a woman because of just the discomfort with this position and the fact that we we don't know how to deal with women in these positions yet. And it exhausts me that that's the case. I can't believe that I've been in this space for a couple weeks now. Every time we record, I like hang up and think, God, I cannot believe we're still having to have this conversation, but we are. And, (laughs) and so I, and and, you know, that, that sense of like, I'm either going to be respected or beloved, but definitely not both. You can't really talk about that either or tell that story because I think it always feels like you're sort of hanging on by a thread, like you're position is always so tenuous that you have to just sort of suck it up and be appreciative of it and not try to, you know, try not to lose too much capital as you go along. So I I really appreciated uh, Katie's perspective on this. And it is, and I've talked about this on the show before, this is a way in which I really feel uh, connected to Hillary Clinton. (laughs) You know, I, I get this part of what she must be experiencing. Well, and I think that, you know, I'm a big pop culture person, and I think that's so, it's such an easy way um, to sort of examine this, too. It's not just that we don't have real-life cultural um, touchstones, but you can sort of say where either the fictional cultural cultural touchstones are so problematic. 
Um, and she brings up Hannah Horvath and girls that people, you know, they love the self-centered Louis and Louis C.K., but they can't stand Hannah Horvath. And um, you see a little bit of it in some of Shonda Rhimes that Shonda Rhimes dramas have gone a little bit further. But, you know, there's nothing likable about Tony Soprano or truly even Don Draper, but everybody liked them. But if you have this sort of female anti-hero, people can't, they lose their shit. They just can't take it. So, um, I think that we, maybe don't, it's not just that we need to become more accepting of women's flaws, but hopefully as, like Katie says, as more people break through the, and as Hillary sort of says in Her Humans of New York, as more women break through the barrier, we'll have, we'll just have a sort of a, um, wider experience and we'll have uh, more, um, examples. Right. Right. It requires more women writing. It requires um, women who maybe wouldn't traditionally be offered acting roles acting. And, and we're starting to see more of that. You know, it's getting it's getting better for sure. So maybe there is reason to be optimistic. And I think the only example that comes even close right now is the one that you've brought up before, which is sort of Hermione Granger. Yeah. You know, the, the uber-competent... <laughs> You know, somewhat nerdy but lovable woman. I mean that I, I that was groundbreaking in a lot of ways. Oh, J.K. Rowling continuing with her gifts to the universe. So Cody also wrote in and taught, um, referenced our great redhead debate, and when we were talking about why women do not run for political office, he said women buy into and force the patriarchy onto themselves. In the words of social psychologist Brent Brown, oh my God. I think she, he meant Brené Brown. Oh, my God, I am the patriarchy. What she meant was that she noticed in her research that women tended to contribute to the patriarchy by boxing in men more than men did to, to themselves. Growing up a gay Mormon boy in a hyper-conservative small town and family, I feel I've noticed this same woman-on-woman patriarchal culture even more so, even if it's an, it's anecdotal. I couldn't agree more. I think that the patriarchy affects every single one of us. Um, I've said this before, but I watched Raising Miss President, and it was a, it was a true... Um, consciousness raising experience and seeing that other women told themselves the same thing I was telling myself about why I shouldn't run for office. I wasn't old enough. I wasn't experienced enough. And hearing experts say, yes, but men don't say these things to themselves. I want to be in the background, blah, 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 blah. And so that was truly consciousness raising and realizing that the, that what I thought were individual concerns was really the patriarchy exercising itself on me. And I think that I've definitely come up against women who women even in my own family who you know use cultural norms and female stereotypes aka the patriarchy to make me feel bad about my choices or to try to make me question my choices so it's not definitely not in any way shape or form just men i i agree and i absolutely contribute to this problem uh, both in decisions that I make for myself and and probably decisions that I make that affect women around me. And I, I'm trying to notice that more and understand. I wrote about this on Twitter tonight, but I was thinking, and Dante wrote this wonderful piece for our blog about how listening to the show has changed his view of feminism and helped him see the world as women see the world and Something about it took me back to this experience I had when I was in third grade. There was a boy in my class who told me one day, just like at the water fountain, that I would be really pretty if I weren't so smart. (gasps) And 
it, yeah, I mean, the, I'm, the fact that you reacted that way, like, it just, there's so much in that, right? Mm. It, it communicates so many things that, that my intellect was less important than my looks and that um, I probably showed too much of my intellect by talking too much or asking too many questions or answering too many questions, whatever. There were just a million messages. And the fact that at nine, he felt... Like he, like he at nine was wired to think that way Mm -hmm. and also felt empowered to to judge me. You got to say it. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what I said on Twitter is that as I've thought about this more, you know, I don't see a lot that's changed. And the, the biggest indicator to me of sort of the way we internalize the patriarchy is the fact that I will take his words to my grave. I will never, ever forget him saying that. And I guarantee you he has no memory of that conversation. Oh, yeah, definitely no. I mean, I remember my piano teacher saying that a little boy told her daughter her butt looked big and that until her daughter left the house at 20 and even when she'd come home to visit through her 30s, every time she walked away from the nearest, she'd turn around and check her butt. And she's like, I know the little boy doesn't remember that, but she does and she will for the rest of her life. I, I also guess because I had a little boy tell me in eighth grade he said well you'd be so i like i think if my friend asked him out quote unquote out for me and he said he would consider it if i would get contacts there was a list i needed to get a tan i needed to get contacts and something else and the sad part was i was, I was like psyched i was like oh i could do that like I, it was like within my grasp <laughs> like that's the mm. truly sad part about it uh, is i was like oh i could do that it's it's just these and that's the thing, like, you can't blame that either of those boys that we just talked about because they've internalized it, too. And it hurts them as well. I'm sure there have been experiences in the kid who said that to me is life where he was his options were limited or something was diminished for him because he had such a narrow view of women that yeah. like I can't put responsibility on a nine year old shoulders for that. It just tells you how deep this runs. Well, and I have no doubt that it when men have limited views in the same way that if women have limited views. Whenever there is um, sort of this tight framework for how men are supposed to act and for how women are supposed to act, first of all, they always go hand in hand. And second of all, that person is, in my anecdotal experience, usually miserable because it's, you know, it's just too limited for anyone to find their personal happiness within patriarchal definitions of what a man is supposed to be and what is a woman supposed to be. Our lives are too long and too complex and our experiences are too broad that sometimes men need to cry and sometimes women need to, you know, walk away from a crying baby and go do what they need to do and or not have a baby or whatever it is. And, you know, the wider we can make that allowable experience for both sides, the better, whether they're running for office or not. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. 
and we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Well, we also heard from Brett, who wanted us to talk um, about the renewed push in recent days to say that a vote for a third party equals a vote for Donald Trump. Uh, And Brett referenced President Obama's comments about that. And he says it kind of bugs me a little and also feels like an attempt to continue to keep third parties marginalized. Nobody ever gives them a chance because they have little exposure and they have little exposure because nobody ever gives them a chance. (laughs) And I think that's true. I absolutely think that's true. I'll say, Brett, that like you, my soul searching continues here because I adamantly oppose Donald Trump, as is clear to anyone who listens to the show. I had hoped that sort of the arc of my journey in this awful election would be to feel more and more comfortable with the Hillary Clinton administration. I feel less and less comfortable with the Hillary Clinton administration as I learn more on the policy front and as we get closer to November. Um, And even though I think that is the far superior of those two options, 
knowing as I do that my state is not going to be close, I think that I probably will end up voting for Evan McMullen or Gary Johnson, who are both on the ballot here, just because I I really do want to cast a vote for my principles. If I were in a swing state, I, I probably would make a different choice. So that's where I am. And I don't think that helps anybody but me, right? Because you just, it's a very personal thing, the way you use your vote. But I'll tell you, lots of people have been asking me lately about um, whether I would just skip the presidential race on the ballot. Absolutely not. Way too many people fought for me to have the right to cast my vote. And way too many women particularly worked hard for me to have the right to do this. So I will always vote. And, and I just, it is not even an option to me. I think it's disrespectful to our military. I mean, just on so many levels, I think it is un-American not to vote. So if, if you write in someone that you're comfortable with, I, I think that is far superior to skipping that line on the ballot. I will push back ever so slightly on the fact that they're not getting exposure. I feel like I see stuff about uh, Stein and Johnson semi-frequently, if nothing because there is such an insatiable appetite among the public and the media for stories about the presidential race. And I think the, the uh, despite Donald Trump's never-ending mountain of terrible things from his past, I do feel like I see a, um, a decent amount of information about them. But, you know, truth be told, Gary Johnson has proven himself not to be a great candidate, and neither is Jill Stein. They both say sort of out there stuff. And so I don't know if necessarily it's always they're being marginalized before they're... Like, I, sometimes I wonder, if what's do we have a chicken or egg problem? Are you third party because you're marginalized? Are you marginalized because you have extreme ideas? You know what I mean? Well, but Gary Johnson on his worst day is a better candidate than Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, that's true. So there's that. And you and I consume a huge amount of news. And so, yeah, we come across it occasionally. But what does the average person see? I I mean, if you think about the quality of the town hall debate that we just had, it would have been a higher quality debate with with Gary Johnson and Jill Stein on stage. You just would have cut the tension. Dang. It would have. And I think it would have focused in on some actual issues. I think you would have had some substantive disagreement in meaningful ways. And, and it, it, I don't know, you know because in the primary, with the more people there were, he would get them going against each other and then step back. He's kind of artful at that. So I don't know. I think there is something to be said that Donald Trump um, needed a situation in which he was up against one person, and particularly one person very well scripted on policy. There's a, I don't know if it maybe this last one would have been better, but I am glad that there was at least one debate in which it was him versus her, and he wasn't able to go, oh, yeah, Jill Stein people, well, look, she doesn't, she hates all your Bernie stuff. Or you know what I mean? Like, he would have just pitted everybody and never had to answer anything. Not that he answered anything anyway, but. I do, I do think that 15% threshold for the debates is too high because it is impossible to break through if you're not on the debate stage. So I would like to see that revisited in future years. But, I mean, Brett, all I can tell you is, I'm with you. I am so frustrated. And I think you just have to decide based on where you are and what's important to you, what you're going to do. But I would encourage everybody to vote one way or the other. So the last piece of feedback we got was from Natasha. And it's so, so well done and so, um, so insightful. I'm just going to read um, a section of it. She wrote us about our discussion about the... Um, 
vote on the Colombian and FARC peace agreement. This was not just a vote between war and peace. Among other items, the deal would have guaranteed the FARC 10 seats in the legislature for eight years. I think we need to approach our analysis with this with a lot of humility. Nobody who has not lived through this can fully understand the trauma that the country has gone through over decades of civil war and the resulting underdevelopment and wider societal consequences. This deal was viewed by many Colombians as offering impunity for some of the worst human rights violations imaginable. Not saying that you necessarily did this, but I think it would be very disrespectful to the Colombian people for us to jump to conclusions about what is right or wrong for them without knowing the full background and implications. In particular, what struck me as disrespectful was the comment that Sarah made about not knowing why the people were allowed to vote on it anyway. I completely agree with you about the huge weaknesses in referendums in general as a way to govern, and I found your past discussion on it incredibly insightful and interesting. However, ending a civil war which requires the entire population to agree to stop fighting and live side by side in peace is completely different to voting on whether or not to build a fancy school when there is no room in the budget for it. I would argue that this is the case. The widespread support of the public is necessary for the agreement to be successful in the long term. I have included below a link to a story and that we side note will include in the side notes or show notes um, and an interview with one of the negotiators who is obviously disappointed but agrees that it requires a referendum because as she says peace agreements have a high failure rate. I do think that this is a definitely a very interesting and nuanced discussion to be had about truth and reconciliation processes and restorative justice as it relates to these types of agreement and the heart-wrenching trade-offs that it requires to bring long-lasting peace. Thank you so much, Natasha. That was really, really great. And she's totally right. I was very flippant in my discussion of that. And I apologize because as I stated in our uh, previous conversations about that, it's an interest, it's something that I've read and um, sort of sought out information on because I find the, um, the decade long sort of conflict and what that means for a culture very interesting. And I have a lot of um, empathy and sympathy for the people of Colombia, and so I'm so sorry if I came off as insensitive. I thought another thing that Natasha pointed out is just the fact that, you know, we we talked about that right as that news broke, and our format's oh, not yeah, really conducive so to that. And I think that something I keep thinking, have been thinking about since we got Natasha's message is that a lot of what we do here, I would characterize as slow news, almost like slow food or something (laughs) where we're really trying to marinate instead of react. And, and I almost wish, I think that's what used to be great about newspapers. And that pressure is so great now that that you don't you don't get a lot of sl- slow news at this point, right? Everything is just as quickly as we can get it out, and there's not a lot of time for reflection. And I think some people are still doing reflection well, but it's still reflection on whatever's happening right in this moment instead of stepping back a little bit. And so I, I really thought a lot about Natasha's message even beyond the conflict in Colombia. And, and I think she's she's really making an excellent point about the buy-in that you need from a population when you've had this kind of conflict. Um, I, I worry a little bit that, that we need to start thinking about truth and reconciliation and restorative justice here in the United States. I'm, I'm fearful that however this election turns out, there will be unbelievable conflict. And, and I hope it's not, violent. I hope it remains just ideological, but, but I am all this talk of the the process being rigged and the only way Trump can lose Pennsylvania is if someone's cheating. I think that's, I think that's very dangerous road to be going down and whomever wins this election, 
is going to have to find a way to bring people together and to do that meaningfully beyond just giving speeches. And and that is a hard challenge. And I, I, I just hope that we don't have to learn in as difficult a way as other countries who've had to struggle with these issues have. Yeah, I agree. So before we wrap up, we have a couple special thank yous. We owe a thank you to Anna for her generous donation and also to our rock star slash gold star monthly subscribers, Christine, Sydney, Nicolette, and Paige. Thank you guys for supporting the show. And if you're interested in supporting the show, please head to pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And for all our new people, we sell t-shirts there too, if you want one. So go check it out. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Briefcase. We will be back with you on Tuesday for another full episode. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.